Hey, everybody. It is episode seven of the Soda City Sit-Down. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, first off, we're going to, of course, do our housekeeping. If you are uh, not already, feel free to check us out on both Twitter or Instagram. Um, I'm sure if you're hearing this by now, you're probably following us on one of those. But we are at S- the SC Sit-Down on both of those platforms. So so give us a look on, on whichever one you're not following us on already. And we would really appreciate a follow on both. Uh, so a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, Carolina sports, XFL, of course, um, and a couple other things around around the world of sports. Uh, we've opened up uh, social media questions for the first time. So uh, we're still new, don't have a big following, but we've got a couple questions to go over before the end of the podcast. So um, that will be exciting. So uh, kind of starting back into the, the big sport that started up this week was South Carolina baseball. Uh, that's, you know, normally where we – don't get hurt. We, we normally are pain-free in South Carolina baseball. At least that's how it was until the last couple of years. But it's a brand-new season. Uh, this team looks strong so far. Uh, an opening sweep against Holy Cross and then a beatdown of Presbyterian tonight. Uh, we're recording the podcast on Wednesday. I believe it was 14-3 to was the final score. So, uh, see, uh, how, how about uh, the rest of y'all? Did y'all watch a lot of the baseball this weekend? Yeah, we, we played pretty well, but, I mean – we played Holy Cross, and I think they had like double-digit errors in the the series. So yeah. I don't really know how much I would put on. I think they dropped uh, multiple easy fly balls, and I'm pretty sure we scored we we scored a decent number of runs, but at least half of those were unearned. So I mean, it 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 was what we wanted, I guess. It, it was what was expected. We went against a better team, and we beat them pretty handily. Uh, probably not going to learn much about the team until the Clemson weekend. But yeah, season is starting until Clemson. So I mean, but uh, it's still good to see. You know, I mean, I know Holy Cross made a lot of mistakes, but it's good to see that we're taking advantage of those mistakes. So that's really important. I mean, it's better to see that than than not at all. So that's what you want to see based on the product that we're given. And I, yeah. I don't really have any complaints so far. Yeah, they're definitely a team we should be destroying. So the fact that we're doing that and it's not a close game is just, I think we're on par for where we should be for the start of the season. Yeah, and, and uh, pitching, I mean, pitching looks solid. Uh, I know everybody, I think, had some good looks. Of course, uh, um, Sunday starter didn't really get a full game. I mean, I, I think, I mean, that game was ended early due to, uh, you know, poor weather. So, yeah, you know, take that with a grain of salt, of course. But uh, Majinski looked good on Friday night. I don't think he gave up a hit until like the sixth inning or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, that was, a, that was a collective shutout. Um, then a Saturday starter came out really strong, struck out the side in the, in the first inning, and then had a, had a rough second inning. Uh, I think they, he gave up three runs, and it, that was the closest that any of the games got all weekend, I think, because it got to five to three at one point. And, uh, but they, Gamecocks were able to, I think, win that game uh, nine to four. So – um, I haven't looked at the scores of that since you know Saturday, but uh, yes, that you know, that was the only really uh, hairy moment of the whole series. So it was good to just have one inning that was a little shaky, but the rest, you know, were were solid innings of baseball on both sides. So um, a lot to look forward to. Uh, and uh, like I said, another another beatdown of a Presbyterian. Uh, the game against Winthrop on Tuesday was rained out, so uh, you know. Can't complain that's, what we've seen so far. That's the but best result for a midweek game with our history with those recently. Yeah, especially against just, the in-state. Just get rid of all of them. 
Well, I mean, an I, absolute I, waste of time, and the only thing that could come out of them is a loss. True. <laughs> that's how, that's I mean, I you'll have. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I agree and disagree with that. Um, you know, mid major baseball in South Carolina is so strong. So, I mean, you you we can schedule games like, you know, against the College of Charleston, against the Citadel, against Coastal Carolina, who's won the most recent national championship in this state in the sport of baseball. So, I mean, if you're, you know, scheduling teams like that, then I, if you lose those kind of teams, it's not awful. But you still want to win every game you play no matter what, and and especially those midweek games against lesser competition still. But baseball is still strong in South Carolina on college level. I do think it's interesting uh, because I was looking at the SEC in general, or at least the SEC East, and Vanderbilt for the past couple of years have known them to be a good baseball school and uh they're three and two overall right now and missouri's two and one i can understand losing a, a game missouri's not as well known for baseball as vanderbilt vanderbilt being three and two is kind of interesting i didn't i haven't looked at I who didn't they're, know that. they're i haven't looked at who they played but uh yeah it seems like they lost some pretty uh like bad games i guess so yeah uh, that shocks me i haven't looked around the i haven't really looked around the league outside of um i mean i follow I follow College of Charleston baseball just because I've been a fan of College of Charleston, and my wife's cousin's playing uh, playing for the team this year. He's a freshman on that team, so uh, I'll check up on their scores. And then, um, and then I did see that Ole Miss had a pretty cool win to their series against uh, top ranked Louisville, where they it was like it came down it was a tight game for the rubber match, and they like threw the guy out at second, um, trying they caught him stealing. So, uh, so some some exciting starts, but um, you know. Not much that we're really going to get answer wise until that Clemson series. So um, we will see how that goes. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's been really a good week all around for Gamecock Athletics. Uh, women's basketball have taken care of business. You know, they keep rolling teams. They won by like a zillion on Monday night against Vanderbilt. But uh, but men's basketball playing themselves onto the bubble, back off the bubble, back onto the bubble. Uh, right now, it seems like they're playing themselves onto the bubble. Uh, they had a, they somehow somehow you, came in with a win on Saturday, but uh, you can was, uh, you can thank Auburn for losing tonight. Yes, right now, um, right now, as of recording, <laughs> Auburn yeah. just lost to who? Georgia, Georgia, Georgia who we beat Oof. by twenty points last week. Oof. So, um, which we lost to by I think about exactly ten. So I think now that moves South Carolina up to tied the second, right? Well, well if Carolina wins tonight, right? Now, it's, right. That's right. Started and this is a, a big game for us. Basically, what we're looking at right now is uh, with six games remaining, we we kind of updated last week about how we need to go. We took care of business last week. Won two games over teams we should beat albeit that tennessee game we can talk about a little bit um really close game a really entertaining game and one that toward the end it did not look like we were going to win um i don't know what y'all's thoughts on that I think was the majority of the game it looked like we weren't going to win not just the end i mean we had some runs i think our biggest lead was seven points at the beginning of the second half and then that kind of went to crap and they were able to pull it out um yeah if you would have told me that with Manaya going down and like basically if you look at the stats for every single player on our team that game no one played particularly well we had fairly efficient numbers from our bench Coach guys played well uh, he was like three for ten though he was great was he from really? the free throw line 
Maybe but, that's why but I all think the so. statistics lead you to believe that like we were not going to win, especially without. He looks Manaya. good to the eye test. Though. Yeah, yeah, I, he I, passed I, the eye test. He does. He does for sure. I'm starting like, to all learn. Of that, all of that being like, our team did not play very well. All like against a, I think Tennessee is a pretty decent team. They're about rated the same as us. And it's definitely a down year for them yeah. compared to what they were last oh, year. For sure. But being able to win, like playing poorly without like one of your best guys, that really shows how much progress this team has made since. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's a good sign for a bubble team that when you oh, aren't bringing your best, you right. can still find a way to win in a Power Five conference. Yeah, because so I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to learn more and more with like a team that one has a lot of good depth, but can play consistently well together and have good chemistry. That sometimes losing a player allows other guys to kind of step up and and take initiative in the game. Like looking at Auburn last year with Okiki going out, it was like we thought we were in the same same situation where our season was done after that. But we ended up playing almost better, if not better, than we we had before. I and mean, you can look at the same thing with Manaya, where you know guys that wouldn't wouldn't have stepped up or wouldn't have had the opportunity before, you know, have shown that they truly can kind of play at that level. Um, so you know, hats off, I guess, to the the chemistry of the team has and what Mar- Frank Martin's able to do. So it's gonna be fun to I guess see see. What's the what's the timestamp on Manaya coming back? Do we know? Uh, he might yeah. be back for March. Okay, I, so, I mean, I perfect. That, that uh, best case scenario SEC tournament that he would come back, which would be awesome. That's, yeah, it'd be, he has plenty of time Especially to get since we back might in the tournament. Need to win a game in uh, right. Yeah, yeah where's the tournament? Pretty much I almost it. said Nashville, but I don't think. I don't think it is in Nashville. It is in Nashville. That would be correct. Should be. Yeah, the men's tournament is in Nashville for the SEC. The women's are Mm. is in Greenville. Greenville. Yeah. So. Cool. So that'll be fun to look. Currently on bracketology, uh, South Carolina playing against Mississippi State right now, who's in the first four out on the bubble. South Carolina listed, and and none of this. I mean, this is just like one ESPN guy's opinion, but South Carolina's. Lenardi is is normally pretty accurate. He's pretty accurate. It's it's usually a pretty good idea, but when when it comes to the bubble, it's kind of hard to tell a lot of times. But right now we're on like the next four out with a lot of very quality games left right now. On the road at Mississippi State is a quad one game. This home game against LSU will be probably like a borderline quad one, maybe quad two because it's at home. But I'd say I I don't feel like it's gotta be a quad one. Well, if they stay within the top 30, LSU? which I don't know what LSU is, they've lost four SEC games. In yeah, a row, I don't I think, think LSU is going to be a LSU is on a bad skid right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, yes, true. Either I forget way. about that. Either way, the schedule sets right. up well because none of those teams are really good. But for it to be a quad one win, even like tonight losing to Mississippi State would really not hurt us. Similar to how Tennessee losing to us went up a ranking, which – Frank Martin in his press conference this week was he it was really funny he just kind of opened up and he's like guys if anybody out out there listening is uh, obsesses over these rankings let me just let me just ask you ask you this how do we beat a team and we go up and they also go up the same amount as we went up now if if you think I give a crap about that you're wrong and I was just like <laughs> I can't even believe you talked about it's it. very That's Frank hilarious. Martin though honestly yeah yeah, and it's like it, you you got to look at the rankings because it does seem like the selection committee pays a lot of attention to it. But, you know, Frank is right. Right now, I mean, we still got uh, two or three weeks until, you know, March Madness begins. And right now we just got to take care of our own business. Uh, you know, as Marshawn would say, you know, you know, secure your chickens. Oh, whatever, there we go. It was. <laughs> so, you know, if, if we can keep winning games, things will take care of itself. 
we'll get to that ranking point and uh, and we should get an invitation to the dance. But um, it's, will... it's really just good to be in this position right now. Uh, See, the one thing I hope is that we can, you know, definitely have, a, you know, uh, enough wins where it's like easy for us to get in because we've been in a situation before and this is the year before mm -hmm. we did our final four run where I, th I can't remember. It, it was like a number where uh, we had teams... like it was 19 or 20 wins. And yeah, it was like the dumbest thing that we didn't get in. I think I... there had only been like five or six teams that had never gotten in with the with yep. those with that so number of wins. I've seen said, we were in a position to make it and lost to, I think, very bottom of the conference, Georgia, um, in, in order the tournament. And like or... the, we lost three games that year to Georgia, who was yeah. not good. And yeah, first round exit in that tournament. Yeah, um, which was well, no, it was it was a quarterfinal exit because we were still a top four seed, but it was our first yeah, game. First, exit. our first game. Right. Similar, you wouldn't you wouldn't know about that, would you, uh, Tyler, with uh, the Ravens? Technically, uh, I've never heard of a first round. <laughs> wow. Whoa, whoa, that was and, out of left field. Um, not a first round exit, as I am corrected. Damn, Matt. Damn. <laughs> I, you know, it's like it's like the further away you get from it, you think you're safe, and then out of nowhere, it just the comes further away you get, the worse it the gets. Face. It yeah. hurts worse somehow. <laughs> God. But I mean, I guess going back to that, I hope now that the, the, the I guess whoever is ranking us knows the type of team we are now whereas like that was i think the first year we had like a really good season so hopefully if we're on the edge they put us the right way instead of keeping us out of the also i think year. yeah i, don't, and, I don't know if this is for sure but i think if you're like hot at the end they'll be like a little bit more likely to put you in true. is that true what is you recently maybe i i don't yeah. know because because the the 26 the 2015 2016 team was very very similar to the 2016 2017 team um, you know, where the 2015-16 was the ones that we just talked about that, you know, lost three games to Auburn that season and and left in the quarterfinals, and we just ended up with an NIT team. But then the 16-17 team that ended up making the dance, making the Final Four, same situation where they lent down the stretch. They lost games they shouldn't have lost after a phenomenal start. That year, Alabama was our Georgia, where wow. we lost to Alabama twice in the regular season, including a 4 Right. Overtime loss that I was at, and I that game was that game. never going Jeez. to end. Um, so, and then we lost to Alabama in the quarterfinals, which was our first game because we were a top four seed. And then we ended up getting a seven seed. We were the worst seven seed of all time, some people said. I don't remember exactly who said that, but I remember that was said by one of the national talking heads. The Kentucky the final four. So, it was really—it's just really interesting. So both of those years, we we limped into the finish, and one year we were rewarded, and one year we, you know, one year they the 2016 was when they sent us the text saying that we were in, and then they weren't in. If we if y'all remember that, so I, I I don't know. From what I've heard, it's a it's a blind it's a blind resume situation where they will just put up a team like they'll just put everything up. They won't say what the team name is, and then you'll you'll say in or out, seed it, you know, based on that, and then. I guess they put the names attached to it later on, and you see how things look. Yeah, that's I think three of our next six are huge. I mean, you've got two against Mississippi State. Uh, you got LSU next week – or not next week, Saturday, sorry. Um, and with our quality wins already against Virginia and Kentucky, I mean, winning two against Mississippi State and possibly LSU, I mean, that would be a great end, I think, to these next six games. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Austin, but I will say because we haven't mentioned it yet, your microphone, man, just sounds so good. I love it. Uh, new, <laughs> He's got new, a new mic. Smooth, For everyone like listening, everyone listening, 
Austin has a new microphone. And yeah, so this is Austin. because you can actually understand him. Yeah, it's the same guy that's been here the entire time. Probably didn't notice me much, this, but this is me. Have, this is who I am. We don't have a new guy. It's the same person we've always had. <laughs> it may Surprise. sound completely different. I am guy number five. Hi. Nice to meet you. That's awesome. <laughs> He's finally out from behind the curtain. Oh, man. It, never, uh, it no longer sorry, sounds I'm, like doing I'm on the main floor now. I'm on the main floor now. I'm not behind the I'm not behind the camera just yelling stuff. Oh, He's man. out of the sit-down you, basement. And into you're at the dance now. <laughs> I made Mama it. Mama, I made it. From the kids' table. <laughs> every every metaphor we can think of, we're just gonna throw. Yeah, let's throw them out here. All right, let's let's, let's be. Any more? Any more? Like okay. butter. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> so well, just keep back going, five minutes. <laughs> going back to South Carolina sports. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's what the podcast but, is about, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think so, at least. Yeah. Uh, going on to football. There's not really too much news for South Carolina football, so but one, week one notable thing was. That was uh, that came out this week was Joiner moving to a full time wide receiver. I'm sure, we'll still probably see him in some wildcat packages and things like that. But yeah, yeah. he's gonna not be listed as a QB anymore. I mean, that I makes think sense. that's an ultimately good decision. Yeah, I, I think, like you yeah. know, I like that better than him transferring or something. You know, he wants to stay of with course, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, mean, he always wanted to stay. On a guy, I think the fan base is really supportive of him. Um, which is which is huge. So hopefully, with uh with the, with the new offensive coaching staff or at least offensive coordinator, we'll be able to focus on him more in that position and and use him correctly. I, I think it'll be really great to see. I think when when he was used last year, I, I think he did well. I mean, I know there were some games that he was out due to injury, but I think I mean he has a learning curve, but I think his athleticism makes up for a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, he's for sure an athlete. I just never really saw him being our QB just because his, no. his, well, he, he had a lot of arm strength, and I, I could tell from tell that, but he is just so inaccurate. And a lot of people are like, but like Lamar Jackson and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I don't, yeah, they've had success, but one, I, I just don't necessarily see that happening with Joyner uh, just because he's just, I, his accuracy is just so bad. And then two, with Bobo, he's never really had success with, Mobile quarterbacks, like think of you know Matthew Stafford and Aaron Murray, like True. they're pocket passing quarterbacks. So now that I've said you that, Viper star Aaron. Oh Murray? my gosh, <laughs> we'll get to that Aaron later. Murray. I just wanted to throw that in. We there. can get to that later. Not to be a but, Walmart employee, Aaron Murray. No. <laughs> Damn. Uh, but hopefully that doesn't like dissuade Doty or Dottie. Interview was intercepted. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the move. I think it makes sense from every perspective you look at it, other than Joyner wanting to be a quarterback. Like, I'm glad that he put that aside to help the team as best he can. I also think it's, I mean, it's every kid's dream to go to the NFL, and he's much more likely to get. First of all, he will never play as a quarterback when with our QB room the way it is. Yeah, it didn't um, get any less crowded this year, even with yeah. Not to mention our wide receivers or a huge weakness last year uh so him getting i mean he could potentially be a starter depending on how good he is we saw him a couple yeah, times last so. year do yeah. some good things so the situation although they're they're not exactly the same type of player but it reminds me of our last quarterback transfer which was nunez right yeah yeah uh, so i mean was he a which... transfer? no no he he was a freshman he we have a team right he transferred what out. Do you mean he by transferred. transferred 
Oh, didn't he leave because his team I mean, and went to Cal? Yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. Was, well, no, no, that was McIlwain. Uh, oh, McIlwain. That's uh, what I'm thinking. Of. Not Nunez, Nunez went to a Mac. school in Louisiana, I believe. That's right. So, in terms of McIlwain, which I, I guess I was thinking of Nunez, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if they're kind of the same caliber. But like, he kind of left the the team and and because of that, in really a bad state, and then tried to join baseball, didn't work out. So Lisa Joyner, you know, he has a chance to kind of continue his career in athletics, and hopefully. You know, the, the team can band around that decision. The fan base can band around that decision because as of recently, the uh, the fan base has been quite chaotic and quite uh, divisive. So, you know, it seems like it seems like moving to wide receiver. Everyone's kind of a fan of. So, yeah, I'm hoping and I will say time. I will say on your examples, I mean, I know McElwain was a two two sports star coming in, but I don't think any either Nunez or McElwain had the raw athletic talent that that Joyner has. Right and, and and just that explosiveness that he can bring to the game. So um, I'm I'm just excited that that's going to be utilized, ho- hopefully utilized in some way instead of just keeping this kid as a four string quarterback and never letting him see the field. So that's what I want to ask. Do y'all see like any special packages for him? I mean, I understand it's a full time move, but do you see Bobo doing any kind of I don't know special packages? Like you're talking like a wildcat type of thing? Yeah, probably like a wildcat. I could or, see him or... doing like a Philly special type of thing. I, you know, I could see him. I mean, yeah, I think that's a good one. Philly special, yeah, I could see that. I could see him kind of used in a lot of ways, like like a Debo. Like, I mean, I think he's fast. He's he's got like True. a bigger body. I mean, I could be completely wrong on that. Well, because we had Debo throw the ball a couple times, right? I don't think Debo uh, ever did, but but like Bruce Ellington did. Uh, Bruce Ellington was a lot like, maybe, uh, yeah, kind of a lot like it. Just he was never really. I don't think he was recruited really to play quarterback. Gilmore threw it way back. Yeah, that's true. Gilmore did throw it one time, didn't he? I think it'd be a waste of his talent not to have some trick plays or packages for him. In yeah, because, because, you know, you've thrown back there. And, yeah, I mean, he, we didn't throw throw the ball a lot when he was in. But I think especially after that Georgia game, when he, I mean, he did throw the ball and he threw it effectively enough to win that game and to hold on and win that game. I think that uh, that no matter who you play, just because of what you have on tape with success doing everything in some way, shape, or form, I think that, you know, you're not going to be able to – really just say, oh, Wildcat quarterback, it's probably going to be a run of some sort. Let's see what happens. I think it's going to, you know, you're going to keep teams on their toes defensively if you yep. run a package. Because I definitely I definitely think it would be, which I, I know they will, but it will be smart for, you know, South Carolina to do that because, you know, I, I want to be hopeful for the season, but knowing the past couple seasons and, and things changing, you know, I, I – I don't think we'll have, you know, like an amazing season. So doing trick plays like that are the way sometimes to win games and to outmatch much higher ranking opponents. So especially um, like the goal line or something like when, when yeah. you're trying to score something where you can yeah. just kind of sneak something in there. Perfect. Yeah, perfect the last play. last big trick play we had was uh was against Alabama with, you know, the punter trick play, which would have worked if we didn't have a flag. So, you know, trick plays oh, like that God. sometimes can, can make big points flag. on the board. <clears throat> yeah, true. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. They had the flea flicker to open up that Florida game. Uh, that was that was a little tricky. True, true. That was the best so, throw of the night. Don't want to talk about that yeah. game either. Flags. Yeah. Let's just not go there. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Instead, <laughs> you don't expect much out of it. I, I hate off seasons like this. I hate being a Carolina fan so much because just nothing has gone wrong in this off season so far. And I, it's just like we're gonna we're gonna be national champions next year. Like it's obvious. You know, like. We've lost some coaches and we, we've replaced them with good talent. And, you know, we've recruited well, even off of a four and eight season. It's like, where, like, what is the downfall? It's going to be week one, probably. But, like, just what is, like, when is it going to go wrong? And I hate it so much. Yeah. Oh. You know it will. It's just when. Yeah. And, you and, know, you can probably see the product on the field and be like, oh, oh, yeah, that's where it's wrong. Oh, yeah. we don't have any wide receivers, really. So, 
Yep. And in terms of uh, thinking about how, how everything can go wrong, in terms of my New York Guardians, I found out week two what can go wrong. So if we're talking about football, let's let's go ahead and move it to the XFL because uh, it's it was an interesting week. It didn't. I I don't think the games panned out exactly how I thought they were going to be. Um, let's see. Yeah. Austin's team still kind of as we expected, right? The as Bikers. expected. <laughs> I have something to say, but I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait. But go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, my team didn't score a damn thing. So that was that was fun. Um, to to watch us just get absolutely decimated. But I mean, the defenders are a good team. Cardell Jones looks like he's the truth. So the big game that I I, I saw was um was it the the Rennet, uh the Roughnecks game and the Battlehawks game. That was a great game. Uh, that was that was awesome. I love. I missed I, just, I had a lot of fun week. watching that. And I was so disappointed because I I missed that one in particular. I, I watched the highlights for that, but man, he Hawks PJ Walker was. Sl- Dude, PJ Walker and uh, oh my god, I can't think of Tammy. Right Tammy played really well. He yeah. played uh, the interceptions. Honestly, they win that game easily. Those interceptions yeah. killed him. Yeah, Ta- uh, Jordan Tamu uh, had what eighty two percent completion the for that game, which is like really good. Really? That's good. Yeah. Really and like really you, if you think about the three interceptions, those are also technically. I mean, true. Those are oh passes. You're damn right. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm going to sound like a homer for this, but I think a lot of people are sleeping on that Renegades Wildcats game because I think that game it was a snooze fest for the first three quarters, but when it got to that fourth quarter, it got really exciting. There was a Bunch of touchdowns in that fourth quarter, and I think that was kind of what a lot of people were were looking for with the new rules in the XFL. It was back and forth scoring, and it got to a point where like those conversions, you had to start seeing like the uh, the the I guess the the game plan and and you know the critical thinking that went into okay, what are we going to go for? And you know we had to convert this, or else it becomes that much more difficult to come back. So I think that was that was kind of the first time that we really got to see like the rule book shine in an XFL game, which was a lot of cool, um, lots of cool things to see. Yeah. Uh, the first converted it, uh, three point play. Yeah. yeah game, I, I hate that it came against my defense, but that game was ridiculous. Like no one could score and then everyone scored in the fourth. And I, what kind of to go along with what you were talking about with the conversions and everything. I loved the, uh, the coaches mic'd up and like how you could see, like all of them, all what they were doing. I think it was, I think it was the Renegades coach was just on the sideline when they were running the ball up the middle. And I, all you hear from the coach, you hear both the coaches like talking, and the Renegades coach is like, "All right, do it again." They haven't stopped it. Keep running it up the yep, middle. Yep. I heard yeah, yeah. I, I did think that the uh, the coaching being the coaches being mic'd up was a lot better this week. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just like the situations that they had them up for. Like, I think that they did a lot better with having like. I, I didn't see it as much week one, but I did see like what you were talking about with in week two, where you had both an offensive and a defensive coach for each team mic'd up and kind of on screen at the same time. And so it, it was a little chaotic, but I think it works for a football broadcast because the sport is pretty chaotic when, yeah. like, you know, when you're, I mean, it's, I don't think you get that a lot in a broadcast. Like it can seem not stale in a lot of broadcasts, but you don't see exactly like how crazy it is during a game. So if you do that in moderation, like I don't want that for a full game because I want to be able to just like enjoy watching instead of being like, okay, a lot of sit me in the face, but 
in a situation where, you know, you've got a big drive and, you know, one team can take the lead or, or tie and the other team is, like, trying to hold on for the win or vice versa or something, uh, I yeah. thought that was really cool. And I know and, I know, week one had a lot of, like, issues with, with Mike's not working. Uh, so or with Mike's catching, up, catching F-bombs and things, which I don't yeah. have a problem with, but other people do. The FCC does. <laughs> right. So and right. going going to that, it, this is also the first week where I think being mic up, mic'd up also didn't help in a lot of ways. Um, looking at the Guardians game, uh, when uh, McGloin was mic'd up after throwing interceptions oh. and all that, and then also, like, them going into halftime, he kind of just threw his team under the bus and was like, Absolutely. oh, we're just not working together. Like the play calls aren't where it wants it. And it's like, yeah, like at times it can be that case. Sometimes it's like half and half. But like McGloin was not throwing well at all. His stats were terrible. And it just now it's going to make, you know, it's going to be kind of like a Sam Darnold situation, but more just like the fan base is going to hate you uh, for especially just being an asshole, like and all that. So it's your like, teammates and his teammates. Yeah. And your teammates, they, I mean, obviously they're not watching at the time, but they'll know after the fact and they're probably hearing in the locker room and stuff. So it's like, it also is kind of interesting too, to see that side of football where it's like, you know, sometimes you hear about players being divas or hear about players having interactions that, you know, they'll, they'll bicker or coaches and players don't interact very well. And you just hear after the fact, we don't hear all, you know, the, the, everything that was said, you can hear it directly on the field, which is really cool. Although for my team, it's not good. I'm, I'm not very happy with that. It's cool to see kind of them showing every side of the game and not just showing the good and not showing the bad at all. So, um, I think I think it's cool. I think it's really good transparency from all sides of the, of the kind of XFL broadcast. There, At my favorite aspect of the mic'd up is definitely the review calling. Uh, you know, when they're in the booth, that yeah. I love that because it it shows you the accountability, the kind of the steps they go through with how they're determining the plays. You know, the NFL obviously it's it's basically a blank. You're just listening to the commentators talk about God knows what, and the refs in there looking at the camera, or whatever. But hearing, you know, whoever it is that official going through the steps of why they're you know what they're thinking in their head. I love that. And, yeah. you know, I think that's awesome. That's my favorite yeah. mic'd up aspect. Yeah, I think the NFL is going to adopt that. I think they're <laughs> going to have to. I think it's going to become forced on them to do that. Um, and, and I, 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 you know, we say there's accountability, and I don't know how much is like, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's really accountability, but you kind of get more – I mean, it might be accountability, but, I mean, you're not going to like – You get a I description. Think, I, yeah, I don't think, you know, you're not – it's going to be like a, oh, well – it's like being mic'd up isn't going to affect how these guys are going to like see what happened. But I think it's going to mean a lot that you, you, you can see a face. Like you see what these guys, you see the guys upstairs and you get like a face and a voice and you get to actually see what the decision-making is. And uh, that's a human element. Yeah, it does. It does. Cause I mean, we see from our angle and they see it from their angle and you know, they have the whole book and you get to see, at least see how they interpreted it. So it's not going to be like, how did you make that call? you get that answer and you might not mm-hmm. agree with it there, but you still get the answer of how that call was made and why that call was made. And it, and it just makes, it's a lot better than I would prefer to have that than have your commentators that, you know, yeah, some of them might have played football, some of them might not, but they were never been a rules official. And I, right, you yeah. know, instead of bring, Oh, bringing in uh so-and-so from New York, you know, and they have their talk. Right. It still has no impact on the game. That doesn't convince me of anything. That just means, you know, the rules. It doesn't convince me that yeah. you, like saw what yeah. happened and can analyze it. Yeah. And that's I what I was going to say rather, too, because I, I thought that they brought it to New York and that like their overall kind of, if it came to that, they would have a guy in New York look at the game. So hopefully they, I, I, I hope they bring a guy in into a press box like they do for the XFL games, because being on the field and seeing it versus seeing it on a video feed in New York, it's totally different. 
Yeah, and they still have. I mean, they still. I mean, you see that review, and you see get those mics. You're still seeing a guy up in the box. He's not necessarily in the field, but you know he's still there. And like you still get, like you said, that human element, that accountability, which I think that is. I mean, I think there's other things that the XFL is doing well, but I just think the the open access that you have, and especially when it comes to officiating, because you you see it too, like on the field uh, with with. Um, not just in the booth, but like on on holding calls and and other things, you get like you get a live mic, which I just think is really great to have more access and things like that. Like you're you're not gonna have anything different. Uh, I, I don't think I don't see the NFL really uh, opening its doors to having mics on the coaches, but uh, yeah. especially not Bill Belichick, but <laughs> or anyone playing against Bill Belichick. But um, I think you know they're gonna be a bit more closed doors on that, but. And officiating, why not? Why not? And I think it'd be great for college football. I think I think it might help the SEC refs be better. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the, their, back- their Twitter page has been an epic fail, but yeah, True. I'd love to see some of those SEC refs in a situation like the XFL. Yeah, and in terms of that human kind of side, it's so easy to to talk trash about someone on on social media in general, but that, especially if it's just like refs and not like a person or a person's name or a person's voice saying the call that you can hear them communicating. So when someone's communicating kind of a play and trying to talk about it and trying to figure out what side's right, what side's not, you one, you know, get an impression of this is a person talking, you know, it's like, this is a real human being, you know, they have families, they have lives outside of this. And two, you, you, you get to see that it's not just, oh, this is the objectively right answer. This is the play on the field and we're idiots. You get to see, no, they, they probably were thinking both sides, but it was really hard to decipher and this is just the play. This is the call they had to go with at the time. And so hopefully it now means, you know, if they if especially if college implements it, you'll have less people just like talking so much trash about the refs or maybe not. Maybe we'll still talk the same amount of trash, but we'll be calling them out by name now instead of just the SEC yeah. in general. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just I just think it's better. Even it, it makes better television. It makes a viewing experience better it, just by instead of just having somebody coming in and it's like this, oh, what's it going to go one way or another? Like you get to see that whole decision-making process because it, it, it's not confidential. I mean, we're not, we're not in the white house, you know, making wartime decisions in the, in the, in the situation room. Like it's a football game. It may feel that way at the, times. If the runner was down or not, like yeah. it just makes so much better television. I'd rather listen to that. And then the network talking heads anytime. Yeah. So, so. do we, do we want to quickly uh, jump into like the high of uh, the, um, Sorry, the rankings we had for this week. Just uh, mention the ones that we put we we thought were the kind of the, the we all kind of agreed on on these rankings. But. Yeah, it, it, uh, a little bit of shakeups. Uh, some people moving bigger than others, but uh, um, I mean, I think uh, I think the top. Three I can tell you, number one stayed the same. same. Yeah. yeah, well, I think the top three stayed the same. Well, St. Louis moved up in that game. Did we have uh, New York at three last week? We did. So now so. New York's moved oh, to five. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I believe we did. So. Uh, so talk to you say the same with you said DC the, uh, Vipers effect. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of like um, maybe the Vipers had like coronavirus or something, and we got it from playing Jeez. against. Them. They, they had suck. Cornelius virus. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh. Taylor Cornelius, the quarterback. Yeah, he was. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, you know, it's not uh, as funny. Uh, as <laughs> yeah. Um. I, personally, I, I would almost. <laughs> Personally, I would almost uh, argue for it being like a 1A, 1B for Houston, D.C. I think uh, both those teams yeah. are really, really stout. Uh, they both seem to be clicking at times on offense, both seem to be clicking at times on defense. Uh, so, I wonder when that game is. I'm a big P.J. Walker uh, guy. I know I know it's not PJ next Walker week because I know that 
the Roughnecks play the Vipers this week. So, uh, easy dub. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> That's just a practice game. Does anyone know when the Defenders play the Roughnecks? Because honestly, uh, I, I see those it are now. It's not until week seven, March 22nd. Oh, that's so that that's close be... to the end. Actually, the if they manage to be like undefeated or like one loss, I'm interested to see the actual views, like the television views of that game, because I'm sure it'll be pretty true. High. True. Yeah, yeah. If they continue to play at this level. Those yeah, yeah. I, I, think, like the I best. think the league is catching on. I haven't, I mean, I don't watch a lot of like ESPN unless it's a live sporting event. So yeah. I don't really know exactly what they're getting on that. But, and I know um, that we've kind of marketed ourselves to talk about the XFL a lot. But, and so I, I, I we're following more and, and, you know, looking up more in the XFL and seeing that more on our social media feeds based on what we've followed. But I, I still feel like there's a lot more talk on it than like the AFL got or, you know, other startup leagues. And other the AFL? Technically it was, but that wasn't the one you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was a startup AFL. league, but not the one I was talking about. Um, quick, it, it was is Houston in the West Coast or East Coast? West. Uh, West. Okay, so we might have the Defenders rough next game. Um, week seven may maybe a early version of the championship game. So it yeah. could be that'll be interesting. Could be. I mean, it's um, not because of the um the renegades coming in there hot, but who's uh, in so... last? Place, <laughs> What'd you say? So uh, who's in last place in our rankings? <laughs> I, well, I we still have a couple more spots to get to that. Uh, we may have yeah, to yeah, remove just... them. Yeah, let, let's kind of let's not let's not jump around. Sure, uh, sure. Well, well, let's let's keep it honest. Uh, so, like we said, no really changing the top two. Uh, they can really, I mean, they could be interchangeable. You can make the argument for it, but you know, yeah. we got we've got Houston, then DC, followed by Matt's team, St. Louis. Uh, you know, they uh, they were competitive against Houston. They put up a good fight. Yeah, they, they put did. A good that fight. was a great game. They ended the game really strong. Run game's yeah. legit. St. Louis has a legit run game. So, probably yeah. the best in the in the league. Mm-hmm. It's because yeah, I wasn't that. wearing my shirt. If I was wearing my shirt, we would have won. Yeah, I'm <laughs> the third leading rusher in the league. That's I don't, you got to be careful wearing that shirt, Matt. Because the more you wear it, that that logo is just gonna fall right off the front of that shirt. Yeah, I'm afraid to wash it. <laughs> One time to the wash, and it's just gone. You're just gonna have a navy it's just gonna blue dissolve. shirt. It's just gonna dissolve. Shirt, it's just gonna dissolve. <laughs> just like where's your my, team. Just like this league. Hey, no! Don't put that evil on us. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably naive, but I'm excited. I think we've got, I think we've got just a like, little base here. Just like South Carolina football, we're all hopeful, and we all think until it'll work you get out that, just fine. until it folds that, you know, Rude we're awakening on a Tuesday yep. like the AAF did. Until like Vince McMahon for some reason like goes to Columbia with all the money or something, and <laughs> everything yeah, folds. Yeah, oh something crazy happens. Yeah. So, Absolutely, Columbia, South America. I'm assuming. I don't. I don't yes, know what he'd be doing. I wasn't talking Yeah, he would never come here. It's not. Yeah, uh, um, and then uh, so uh, so that kind of rounds out uh, top, the top three. three. Uh, Dallas, uh, big mover of the week in our power ranking. They went up from seven to four. Um, I thought that they they went they did not score a touchdown for the first seven quarters, and then they scored three in their eighth quarter of existence. So. Um, I, I think that offense might kind of start clinking a little bit with with uh, um, with Landry Jones being back. So yeah, you may he, have just needed some time. Yeah, I, I think I, I just need some time. They kind of got they, they got it going a little bit on both, you know, running game, passing game, uh, and then you know they kind of got into a bit where they had to kind of squeak out a win on the road. So I'm feeling confident with where they're at right now. Uh, then that takes us to the bottom half of the power rankings. New York joining that bottom half. They yep. 
their defense they didn't against the Vipers. Yeah, their defense got exposed for sure. Obviously, we either the the Vipers are just that bad, um, or or the defenders are that good. So their defense was not the same defense we saw, and then the quarterback play was just abysmal for sure. Yeah, you know, and I I, I did say it week one, and I said it a little bit in a trash talking capacity, but I just didn't see anything that really impressed me out of the defenders. Just, I mean, Guardians. I know they had a couple of picks. McLoyne was bad. He really was. McLoyne was right. bad. Guardians and Defenders, they sound too similar. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can that. see it. Um, but yeah, I, I just didn't see anything super duper impressive. So, that, I that's kinda, what I said too. Yeah. So, like, I, they live or die by McGloin for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then we had six be in Seattle, uh, getting that home opener win. Uh, who was it against? Was it against Tampa? That's right. It was against the Vipers. Not an impressive win. <laughs> By any chance, I think it, it was like a weird score. It was like what nineteen to nine or something like that. Or so, what, what, what? I I looked in regard. I mean, game aside, I looked into the the attendance of that game, and I think um I can't remember the exact number, but the Dragons game had the most attendance out of any game so far. They I think they they almost sold out all of their tickets really? for all their seats. Yeah, that was a great really? city for sports. So. Yeah, yeah I didn't see. I wanted to see what that game looked like. Uh, I, I think that was a Saturday game, so I had some stuff going on Saturday. I wasn't able to yeah. see it. Um, I was able to watch a bit more on Sunday, um, and I thought I thought that the LA game looked pretty well attended. Um, the Houston game, game was very well attended. I, I saw that the they well uh, they opened up the upper deck in Houston because they, yeah, I know they, they sold out. That's the interesting. Deck. That's interesting because I I actually heard I think they had. A thousand or maybe fifteen hundred less people at that game than the than the week before. Unless I think it was that. I think it was that because they're the only team that had two home games, right? Or is there another one? Uh, uh, DC did as well. Maybe it was DC. It, yeah, it was DC. Okay, DC so that makes sense too. So yeah, I think one of those two had about a thousand less, which isn't bad though. It's not bad for for second week, uh, especially with with uh, the Dragons having a huge attendance again. That twelfth man kind of culture there, whatever. Um, but in terms of week three, I heard that for ticket sales for the Battlehawks, which is going to be good for you, Matt, uh, completely sold out. So all of the tickets oh, for the Battlehawks game. Ball returns to St. Louis since the Rams So this left. is, uh, yeah, yeah, this is the Battlehawks' first game, right? Yeah, why are we Tampa Bay and St. Louis have their first home game. Or, yeah, Tampa Bay and St. Louis have their first home games. Straight away games to start the season. Yeah, wow. it's kind of crazy. Tampa did too. And, and yeah, both those, surprised. well. Biggest you, social you media following for my team. True. What really shocked me going back through and looking at it, you know, I mean, there's only eight teams, but only three teams of the eight are playing in venues that either, well, that have never hosted like an NFL game. I mean, because uh, the Guardians are playing at MetLife, the Vipers right. are at Raymond James, uh, the Seattle team is at CenturyLink. Um, LA is not technically. Yeah, where NFL are they? Stadium, it's the Charger Stadium, though. In the Charger Stadium this year, for the last two or three years. So, oh, okay. that at least hosted NFL football for right. for a substantial period of time. That's and true. then, um, and Lewis, course, is, playing Lewis the is playing in whatever they call that stadium now, the the indoor stadium in St. Louis. And then, right. uh, and is there anyone else that I'm missing? Vipers playing Raymond James. I said that. So. Yeah, because yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, defenders I mean, are playing in venues. Yeah, so, defenders are playing in a soccer stadium. And Houston's playing in a baseball stadium, right? And then 
Um, where, where's Austin Dallas playing? Houston stadium. is playing in the, in the University Cougars. of Houston. Oh, Houston Cougars Cougars stadium. Stadium. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Playing that's in right. the Texas Rangers that's former right. stadium. So, yeah, so. it's interesting to see kind of the the logistics behind having teams playing playing either old stadiums or, or NFL stadiums or something in between. Yeah, and I wonder what like what made them make that decision on where they played because you know you've got your teams that I mean every single one of these teams is in an NFL market. So like I'm not surprised that you know they're not playing at like Jerry World, but you know it's interesting that they're not like, like they're talking about like the Renegades, but you know it's interesting that you know they're playing at the old baseball stadium and not like the cotton bowl, which is also a big stadium in Dallas. And, you Uh, know, then you've got, uh, um, you've got the defenders that are playing in MetLife and, you know, other, I mean, other teams, you know, that are playing in these NFL venues. So I wonder what, when that decision-making process, it's, it's about, it's about if the team wants to embrace it um, or or wants to allow that to happen. Like, I think, I think in terms of Seattle, it was like they asked Seattle if they could use their facilities and stadium and they agreed. I think the same thing happened with MetLife because MetLife isn't really even a part of the Giants or the Jets. It's both. So I could see that being pretty easy to kind of, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, well, you also want to be careful about what venue you take because, you know, the bigger the venue, the more expensive it is to, to use it. True, and also a smaller venue can make a game seem more interactive with the fans because if it's a smaller stadium, they can fill up more. Yeah, so if you have a giant you stadium and you have like not enough fans, it's going to make your team look worse too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could have like the like say like someone like I mean I'm just not picking on your team, Marino, but like say the Guardians who are playing in one of the bigger stadiums, you know, they could have the highest attendance numbers, but it doesn't look like that because they've got you know. 40 extra 40,000 other seats and right. like um like LA you know so exactly. can it makes sort of interesting things but um I mean I I'm really interested to see I, I need to look more into what those numbers look like and you know compare it to you know other leagues like how the AAF did um and see you know just what kind of tickets they're selling so yeah I mean and I think I I've been having a lot of fun watching um did we finish everything up we do stop at Seattle uh yeah we talk about Seattle uh and then I guess to close out Tampa I mean it's pretty obvious they're well, we've their got last LA I'm quite sad two teams. I'm really really depressed <laughs> yeah well, I, I bet Austin's yeah, been through a lot Austin, Austin and being sad at a football team name a more iconic duo there isn't one. That's a good question. I mean, there isn't one. I, I thought I couldn't get out of QB hell. I've seen Cleo Lemon. I've seen Chad Henney. I've seen Dante Culpepper. I've seen others whose names I shall not name. But I've never <laughs> seen Aaron Murray or Taylor Cornelius. Uh, they are so bad. So, so bad. You know Combined. what's the sad thing, too? What's that? The saddest thing for you is that Hopefully, if you guys get a quarterback this season, or if you finally get your quarterback stuff figured out for Miami, you may have Rosen as the next Vipers quarterback. Iconic. <laughs> Only me. Only me. Did y'all notice how Austin talked for more than like 10 seconds there? Yeah, I could hear he everything he said, and he, and he didn't cut out. It's incredible. It's uh, I would just like to say, between the two of them, between Murray and Cornelius, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, uh... Murray leading the way with that 45.1 passer rating. God, it's just. Oh, my. Can we get a quarterback? And Tressman. Oh, oh Lord. Lord have mercy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's your big problem. Like yeah. Fun fact, though, Tampa Bay has the second and the fifth leading rusher in the league and also the uh, third leading receiver. And yet we just don't have a quarterback <laughs> that is competent enough to deliver. Uh, 
Again. Y'all got a pick six, though. Yeah, yeah, well. A touchdown. That's a win. Waiting for us to score on purpose. That was a total accident. That wasn't even meant to happen. <laughs> oh Lord. All right. Well, I guess I guess yeah. there's a, that's enough. That's enough XFL. We're getting sad now. It's too sad. Too sad. Let's I guess let's get even sadder, right? <laughs> well, no, I I think our next topic it it could have been a lot sadder than it, it ended up being. I think it's actually a feel good story of the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it's not something that we really expected to talk about on our podcast. It's not something that any of us really watch. Um, but uh, it took over the news cycle in the last couple of days. Um, I'm sure everybody by now has seen the horrific, horrific wreck uh, that Ryan Newman was in uh, in the Daytona 500 on Monday night. Uh, it was a rain-delayed event. Normally it's on uh, the Sunday of President's Day weekend, but due to some bad weather, it just popped up over Daytona. Uh, it was pushed to the Monday night. You know, uh, we thought that was going to take over the news coverage was, uh, you know, Trump was there on Sunday, did the, did the pace lap. Uh, did like a flyover with Air Force One, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that seemed like it was going to be the biggest topic, but uh, there was the final lap of the race. It was a green-white checkered, which just basically means that they were coming off of a wreck. They were going to take one last lap, and basically, however that lap ended, it was going to be the winner. So, um, coming through, Ryan Newman had the lead. He got a little nudge. Uh, I mean, I know I don't know if you watch NASCAR, but, you know, these cars – you know, they can take a lot of beating. They can also, you know, get pushed off in the wrong way um, after just a little bit of nudge, especially on these super speedways like Daytona. So uh, he got nudged poorly, lost control of his car. Newman went up against the wall, uh, hit the wall, which, you know, at this point wasn't the worst wreck. But what happened after he hit that wall, he got flipped up in the air and then took a direct hit to his driver's side um, from uh, from one of the other drivers. And basically skidded across the finish line and uh, might have flipped a time or two and then basically ended up in flames. And um, I I watched the race and live. Upside upside yeah, he down skid upside flames. down, which is even worse. Yeah, so it was a horrible, horrible looking accident. Um, and it was it was really crazy. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I watched I watched it live. I, I'll try to watch like the end of the Daytona 500 because it's just the biggest event. You know, it's one of like the biggest events in American sports, even though it's not like a uber popular sport. Um, and then I'll watch. I'll try to watch like the end of like Darlington just because it's Darlington and it's in South Carolina, and so it piques my interest a little bit more. Right. But um. So yeah, I mean, I I was watching it. Uh, I watched most of the finish when I got home from work just because it just was on and. I just kept watching it and didn't stop. And uh, and in the moment, uh, well, and we'll touch on this in a, in a second. In the moment, it, it, it was pretty crazy. You know, there's a lot of excitement. It was the second closest finish in NASCAR history or Daytona 500 history, one of the two. Um, and and so it, it was incredibly exciting. And then at least as a viewer, where you get more information and you see more, it became incredibly somber pretty quickly when you started to see uh, you started to see Newman's car. I mean, it was upside down. You saw flames coming out of it. You didn't see any movement coming from the driver, which was really scary. And then as it progressed, you start seeing you start seeing more, and you also start seeing less of what was going on with that incident. And so you start seeing, you know, okay, well, they're bringing out emergency personnel. They, You start seeing, well, they still haven't notified us that the driver's okay. They still haven't shown the driver get out of the vehicle and they haven't shown them taking anything out of the vehicle. So, um, and, and they start showing less and less of that on the coverage. And then, you know, I, since I'm watching it live, I it piqued my interest more. 
you go to you go to social media and they're talking about how they're bringing out screens to to shield the the spectators still in the stands from what was going on. They apparently cleared media from from uh, from pit row uh, at at Daytona, which which is huge. Is that's that's a that's, massive yeah. move, especially. I mean, it's the biggest race of the year. I mean. It is the the one that everyone wants to win, and so to take press away from that, that's like that's like at the end of the Super Bowl saying, "Okay, we're done. Uh, we're going to give out the Lombardi behind the scenes, and and nobody else can see this." Um, so I mean, it, it was really scary, and and um, you know, I mean, we were all very young when Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, was killed again at the last lap of the Daytona 500. So I mean, I think we all we all know that that happened, and. Some of us might have seen the wreck. I don't know about everybody. I mean, I've seen it a couple of times just being a sports fan. And it didn't look as bad as what this wreck looked like on Sunday night or Monday night. And But you, know, you start hearing people that were around de- and were NASCAR fans during that time. It, it, people were saying that the, the, simu- the similarities were very scary and very and just very similar. Well, similarities are similar. But just it, the comparison of it was very similar in the way that they – were not giving out information. They didn't really have much to say. The, the, the driver wasn't out of the vehicle, so um, I thought I, I thought that the news was going to be that that Ryan Newman was dead. I mean, I, I'm I'm very shocked that it's anything else. But um, thankful. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I just was wait. I mean, it, it got to a point where you know an hour had passed, two hours had passed. You knew that he had been taken to the hospital. It was the same hospital. I mean, it, that, that's not really a coincidence. That's probably what the plan is. Just always is for that NASCAR race and that track. You know, he's taken to the same hospital as that Dale Earnhardt was taken to and was right. pronounced dead at. So I mean, you're just seeing the similarities. And and just the longer the, the the time passed, it just didn't seem that it was very good. And it got frustrating because you're you're like NASCAR. Just tell us something. Like if he's dead, say he's dead. If he's in surgery, fighting for his life, say that. Just give us something that we know what what to expect. I mean, it just the it was just crazy that it got going and going and going. And then finally, two hours later, they came out and said that he was in serious condition, but he had uh, but the doctors indicated that the injuries were non life threatening. Um, and then uh, you know in the in the forty eight hours to um, to follow you started getting better and better prognosis that he you know he's up and he's talking and he's awake and then today uh early afternoon they had a video of ryan newman after one of the worst wrecks that nascar has seen in years walking out of the hospital hand in hand with his daughters and honestly which is a great image great image one of the better images you're going to see in sports this year just because so one thing I want to say is uh, just because of the whole daughter's thing, a lot of this I want to compare and contrast to the unfortunate incident with Kobe. Interesting. Uh, you were me- you were mentioning the you know the whole media access and like tell us something, tell us something. I respect what they all did because when Kobe's news broke, everyone everyone wanted to be the one that broke it. Everyone wanted to say Kobe's dead. All of his daughters were there. Uh, only one of his daughters was on there. This player was on there. The, you know, everyone was just trying to get the story out. No one knew anything. It was just complete chaos. Uh, with That's this, you know, it was, it was very shielded. It was, you know, for the privacy of the family, for the privacy of Ryan Newman. You know, of course, as fans or as someone that's interested in it, you want to know what's going on. But, you know, damn it, let the facts come out. Let the family figure out what's going on first. Because I'm sure his wife, his children, they're freaking out. You know, it, I, I like the way they handled it and that they got everything together before NASCAR and before whoever it was, you know, his manager, or whoever released a statement on his health. Um, I, I respect that a lot more. And, you know, going back to, you know, the image with his daughters, it kind of just brought me back to that. 
Yeah, I that's definitely a, think that a has great to lasting point. image. Great, like you know, because Kobe yeah, and Gianna, yeah, yeah. and now Newman and his daughters. Like it's just kind of like it, a oh wow type moment. It's a good mirror for sure. I also think that in terms of uh, racing, they're more uh, they're smarter about how they kind of show crashes uh, because it happened because injuries and things like that on a grand scale happen a lot more during racing events. So if something does well, happen, I, and especially considering Dale Earnhardt Senior crashes happen. And considering the Dale Earnhardt Senior thing, they, they know what, what can happen on a track, like the worst of the worst and everything. So they're they're knowledgeable on that. And I also think that the the crash of Dale Earnhardt Senior probably had a lot of impact on how this crash went because I think a lot of the technologies in terms of safety and in terms of how uh, the drivers uh, consider safety and consider you know, how to drive is, is very much impacted from that moment then. Whereas I think a lot of times before, and you see sometimes in older movies or just in, in history, some of the drivers before were just loose cannons. And, you know, and in terms of our, our history, we didn't even have seatbelts for, for a very long time in terms of automobiles. So I think they take yeah. it a lot more seriously now. And I just think in terms of technology, things have really improved. Um, I didn't watch the, the, the race happen live. I watched it on YouTube. So, so I knew that like what I was seeing, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be because initially when the crash happened, and he was sliding. All I saw was was the 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 kind of the liquid coming out of the car, and I I assumed it was going to be flammable. And I was like, I know it didn't happen, but I'm like, dude, how's this car not lighting on fire and going into a, you know a burst of flames? And apparently, the the fluid that we were seeing was the coolant, um, which is not necessarily you know flammable like uh like fuel is. And apparently, the the cars they drive, their whole fuel intake system is basically impenetrable like they're they're just solid rocks because of instances like this so again the technology they have in these cars it's like you're very unlikely to have a wreck that's going to make that happen so it's really kind of cool to see the inner workings of just how how these vehicles operate and how how the systems they they use uh keep the driver safe and keep the vehicles at optimal performance so i i don't know just all over it was really a lot to a lot for me to kind of take in and learn from this all the safety reasons that you're talking about uh were like reasons why i thought it was weird that people were complaining that people were celebrating when this was going on i mean i i know that they knew that there was a crash because he was involved up at the front but at the same time it's like you just won the daytona 500 and there's kind of just like this air of that even though there's a crash like people are going to be fine because everything is so safe now so True. like i don't get why it was such a big deal that he was celebrating and it's so, not like i think it's because everyone remembers dale and it just because well, dale's didn't seem even near as bad granted the technology and the safety wasn't as good then either but you know just that i think everyone's mind like tyler said flashed back to to dale senior and it was yes just one of those like no. oh my god i mean yeah you're gonna have those flashbacks i mean because it was so similar because i mean seniors was on turn four of the last lap of the daytona 500 and and you know he and he was so popular that everyone's gonna remember that. But um, but I mean, if you just watch the video side by side, the crash looked so much worse. And yes, um, yes. and 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 you talk about safety, and the, and the safety is a huge thing. I mean, NASCAR has not lost a driver during a race since Dale Senior. He was the last driver to die due to injuries sustained in an accident. So I mean, the the it has really come a long way. But um, I mean, one of the thing was. I wouldn't say I don't know why it was so serious because if you look at that, I mean, he took a hit at 195 miles an hour, right, right on his person essentially. So oh, yeah, and, yeah, but and, and, also like he knew that there, 
there there was a crash, but he did he's not looking at everything behind him. Like he doesn't see like the full details. He's just celebrating that he knows he won. He just knows that a crash happened. He doesn't know the severity of it. And yeah, I feel like no, part of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of it also may just be kind of like almost the code of racing, where it's like almost you know what you're getting into when you when you get behind the wheel, and it's like you know things have to continue to go when it's an event like this. So I I, I know they know the dangers of it, and I know he probably saw what happened, and and during. You know, during at least one of the interviews I saw, he mentioned that, you know, that that takes precedence over the trophy ceremony and over him winning. But again, like it's not like uh, it's not like they're they're not at least aware that something like this can happen, that, that yeah, it, is, it have, is something that can always happen. You have races that finish in a rake all, in a wreck all the time. And um, and, you know, and I think uh, that Denny Hamlin, who ended up winning the 500 and uh, and Joe Gibbs, who, you know, a lot of you guys would know more from football probably than from auto racing. Uh, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing is the team owner for Jenny Hamlin and, and, um, and you know, other other racers as well. And, and I mean, I, I think everyone, you know, in auto racing and football agree that Joe Gibbs is a great guy. Um, and and, Dan, and, and, I, and he's not going to be the kind of guy that's just going to be, like, purposely celebrating while, um, while somebody else is, you know, possibly fighting for their life. So... I mean, you got these guys like Hamlin when he won. You, you could see it because they, they. One thing about NASCAR, much like the XFL, is they have great, you know, openness. I mean, they're they're interviewing guys like in the middle of a race. They have videos on the front of cars, on the back of cars, inside of cars. So you can see everything that's going on. And so you know, you see Hamlin took off his communications when it happened. Um, you know, you got his 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 uh, pit crew. Um, you know, they they see that there's a wreck, but they're focusing more on their guy because they're trying to see if their guy. Won hundred so you know when they win you know they're jumping over the wall the pit a pit lane throwing off their headsets they're not seeing the communications um so they don't really see hey he hasn't gotten out of his car yet they're not focusing on that they wouldn't be focused on that like in any type of wreck um and so you know they did their celebrating you know uh um, hamlin did you know the typical spin out all that kind of stuff uh doing donuts in the infield you know much like a win but but once i think they were informed that you know hey newman's still in his car you know, we don't know what the situation is there. Um, Joe Gibbs came out and made a statement that, you know, we, we apologize for the celebration. We didn't realize any of this kind of severity. You know, we you're focusing on our guy. We realize, you know, he wins. Um, so I think they handled that really well. And then Hamlin, you know, um, when he was on SportsCenter, uh, not too long after his victory, while we're still – I think they were still on the track getting Newman out of his car. You know, he you made a good point. You know, he was like, you know, we celebrated, but, you know, right now – now that we know the severity of it, 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 it we don't we're not celebrating at all. It's it, right now. It's more is Newman all right? So I think that I think that they did a really good job on it. Um, and uh, and I don't want to spend too much more time on it. But one thing I did want to point out that was pretty cool that you heard was uh, Newman was also in a pretty bad wreck uh, in the early to mid two thousands at Daytona. I think it might have also been last lap. But after that, he uh, he lobbied for an extra uh, bar to be put across the top of the race car. Wow. And uh, and it actually, from what I was reading, a lot of people didn't like the idea of it being put there, but NASCAR still accepted it, made it mandatory, and it was put on the cars. And from most of the things that I've seen is that bar, which is dubbed the Newman bar, and will probably be even more so considered that going forward, probably very easily could have saved his life on Monday night. That's uh, which crazy. It's really cool. So, 
I'm just uh, really glad to hear he's okay. So yeah, I'm amazed. He walked out of there. It looks like he doesn't have a limp, doesn't have a scratch, nothing. A walk. That's the big thing. He literally walked, walked out, out of the yeah. hospital. Yeah. Uh, handed him with his daughter. So a great. There's a lot of great parts of this story. Yeah, it really is. So uh, I mean, it's not a sport that you'll probably hear us covering much at all going forward. But uh, <laughs> it just it really captured uh, really captured the attention of the sports world over the last 48 hours or so. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to bring it up, kind of talking to it, and uh, and just express how glad we are that it's had the inning that it's going to have, and um, and just kind of and put our put our spin on it. So yeah. Uh, Going into, uh, like we said, uh, we, we've got our first, uh, moving on from that, we've got our first uh, Twitter questions, our social media questions. Um, I, I kind of want to. And just, what, just, I guess, before you get into this, too, like, we're just going to go over these as much, for as, you know, as much time as we feel like. And, you know, if, if we don't get to everyone's questions, because we do have a few, uh, we'll probably try to get these going next week or, or continue this in the future. Uh, so I guess if you don't hear your question, you know, stay feel tuned. Bad. Yeah, yeah, don't feel bad. Don't feel yeah, bad. We, yeah, we so. thought if everyone's questions is the same for the mo- for the most part. Uh, so yeah, I guess for you, listener, except for you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so unless I, you're I a parody bring... twi- Twitter account, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I do want to get up. Like this is the first question that we got. Uh, it was somebody that was basically going off about the successes of the equestrian team that we have here at Carolina, um, and talking about how they don't get a lot of love. Um, it might be a slap in the face answering your question this way, uh, kind of short and sweet, because I, I I understand that you want more from the equestrian team, but the the unfortunate matter is that it's just not going to happen. Um, it, it equestrian is a sport that yes, Carolina is very good at it. We've won a couple SEC championships, we won a lot of national championships, but it's not an incidentally sanctioned sport, which is one thing that's going to hurt it. Um, and then it's also just it's not a sport that a lot of people can relate to. There's a very small fraction of people that have really ever watched Equestrian and know what's going on. Um, I mean, so it's kind of like NASCAR in a way, where it's yeah, like you have. Some no, I'll tell you a better comparison. Did you know that South Carolina won the national championship in fishing a few years ago? Yeah. Does yeah. anybody know that? I no, I didn't oh, know that. No, I didn't know <laughs> that. There, there you Tyler, go. Of course, knew it. Uh-huh. I had a guy in a class that was on the team, and he was talking about it. I know a guy on the team too, but I still don't know. So, okay. like, it's the same level. <laughs> it's kidding. like, it's, there's not a big audience for it. Sure. It's not an actual NCAA, you know, sport. Like, so. Well, well, here's the thing too: is that, um, again, going back to Auburn, Auburn's won like two out of the past three years, and I think, I think one of those three years they were releasing the finals. So it's like South Carolina is still good. They're not at the top of their game at the moment, but they have won in previous years. Another thing too. Is that uh, I don't uh, Matt looked this up before, but out of I think the past like decade, it's only yeah, been fourteen. You know, last twenty years, um, twenty A and M, Georgia, Auburn, and South Carolina are the only teams to win national championships. So I think oh. it's very. It's not not only is there probably not many teams that or not many schools that even have a legit equestrian team. There aren't that, and that's another thing that hurts it. So yeah, so and and they're all the same school. So it's like. It's it's very it's a very small number. It's a very small serving very size. Very niche market. Yeah. So it's like when it comes down to it, you're not getting the same amount of views and the same kind of the uh, uh, attention that that other sports do, just because there's not that many teams or not that many schools that even even have it. So, and that's definitely going to be going to be a drawback from it for sure. Um, compared yeah, so- to like the top three uh, pro. Uh, athletics programs that South Carolina. Yeah, has. And, and and the stables for it aren't even in Columbia. I can't remember exactly where they. Are. 
Oh, like really? Five minutes outside, I believe. So that I thought, th- I thought they were in like Camden or something, but I could be. Uh, totally they would wrong be in Camden. That. It, it, like I said, it's about. It's, I think it's like forty-five minutes outside of the city, which is something that's going to hurt it. You know, it's not something that a casual fan or a casual resident of Columbia can say. Oh, like how they can say, "I want to go to a baseball game tonight, a basketball game tonight, whatever." They can't do that for equestrian, uh, and. and it's not like they don't they don't stream it on anything, so you know that hurts as well. So you can't even be like a casual observer from afar. Um, I will say uh, the marketing department and the athletics department, you know, they still they still do marketing for it. You know, they still put their best foot forward for it, try to come up with ideas of what they can do to get people there and stuff. But it's just it's not a sport like you said. It's a very it's got it's got its click to it. Yeah. If you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, you're not. Um, I, I'm not. I mean, we're not going to bash it. Uh, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't want to bash. It. I don't want it to sound like we're bashing it, because I don't want it to be like that. But you know, we, we're proud of what their accomplishments are. It's just that we don't know. It's just it, it. It just it's one of those sports that can't really market itself to be like on the same level as the other sports that get the same attention. Yeah, you might be looking for exactly. So, Our marketing and media team can only do so much, and there's only so many people within that. And it's like when it comes down to it, it it's about hierarchy of football basketball baseball you know and it's like anything else that they can get news and can get media coverage on they'll try but it, it comes down to to what's important for the university and what's what's bringing people into the university what what people are seeing on espn abc fox sports you know all that and and you're not as likely to see equestrian on tv so that, no. I mean, that's another you'll see thing. it during the olympics and that's it yeah. Yeah, that can also lead us into uh, one of our other questions that we were asked: is what is your most underrated USC athletics team? I think it's an interesting question. Like, how, it depends on how you define underrated. I think we Let's have not talked about it. Should be appreciated. Yeah. Well, that's also we have a great bowling team. Swimming and diving is pretty good. I'm not sure. Swimming and diving. Yeah. So I was actually going to say swimming and diving. I mean, I have a little bit of bias because my sister is on the team. Is that a good buddy um, on that team too? So yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 have a great facility. Uh, the was it the Columbia Aquatic Center, right? No, was well, that Blatt? They're at Blatt. Yeah. Oh, they're at Blatt. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a great facility. They have they have a really um elite diving program there. Um, I know they used to be a lot better uh, a couple years ago, at least in swimming, like probably in like the early two thousands. Um. But, you know, I, I assume they're still kind of at the level. The thing is, I just don't know too many, too much about anything other than kind of the top three in South Carolina. Sport. I can tell you my most underrated is track and field. They're both men and women's South Carolina track and field is in the top 25 right now. Really? Really? Nice. Go Cox. Has, has that is that something that's kind of like uh, has that not happened in a while? Um, So our women's track team is really good. They're usually in the top 25, but our men's yeah. track team is kind of up and down. So, but right. like this year, they're uh, they're doing really well. Uh, South Carolina, track is just really interesting because it's like there's a lot of individual sports, and we have a couple really high performing individual athletes, a couple that we'll definitely be seeing in the Olympics this year. So yeah, uh, we, well, we had a couple definitely... uh, uh, not like team championships, but like individual event national championships this year. Um, I know a couple like two or three in the indoor and, and things like that. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's my uh, most. My, my mine would be I think low-key they've gotten good in the last couple of years is softball uh i couldn't tell That's you a good one. much about softball i don't know much about them but i know that they've been consistently getting a lot better um our next question that we could go over oh um, well, I, well i wanted to i wanted to yeah go for I, mean, it. I don't want to take it on um i will i want to just kind of say to clayton about track 
I will say they put a lot of money into track uh, in the last couple of years. They, we have a new yeah, they got track. a new track. Yeah. Um, and then they've where also, is the track? Uh, it's behind the softball field. It's at the bottom of Rosewood. Yeah. Oh, it's it's in that field. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I've run on it. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's, it's a nice little track. And then uh, and then they've also uh, built the track, or they've just renovated Doty, not the Doty, whatever it is over there behind, like um, in between, like the by the soccer rice field. complex. Yeah, and right next to the soccer field. I don't know what building that's called. Um, but they've been, they've put that into an indoor track. So that's a uh, that I've I've been to a event in there. It's pretty cool. Uh, the indoor aspect is is actually neat. So. Um, but I want to say, I think my underrated or underappreciated event or sport is, uh, beach volleyball here. Uh, we have a pretty solid team. Uh, it's fairly, it's a fairly new sport. Uh, it's actually been created on the collegiate level in the last decade. But, um, I, I, I went, I mean, I, I worked, I've mentioned it before in the podcast. I think I worked as a marketing intern. So I've seen a lot of these sports more up close, uh, that a lot of people haven't gone to. Um, and I worked a couple of the beach volleyball events, and they're actually a lot of fun. Uh, their facility is also out yeah. there, right next to the softball field, and uh, and it and it's it's a fast paced sport. Um, you've got a lot going on. I mean, there's there's five or six courts that are out there, and so you've got like a couple matches going on at the same time, and uh, and it and it's really exciting. Um, they it, it, it's more of a fun, laid back atmosphere. Uh, they've got like music playing the whole time. Um, and, it, and it goes by pretty quick. And, and like I said, they're pretty good. I believe it's I believe it's officially an NCAA sport now. I think when it started out, it wasn't, um, but it is now. And uh, I agree with softball as well. I think they're they're on the rise, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, but I think one that doesn't get credit is beach volleyball. I think that one would be one that could do really well, having more TV time and and a lot more coverage from you know the the national and or just gamecock media um i i will i'll ask this uh of course i I didn't go to school in south carolina um is the is this are both soccer teams are they are they official teams for the school or are they club teams correct they're official teams okay okay and they're both pretty solid women are really good women are really good but is auburn i think auburn's there the women's team is an official team but the men's is like a club team so it's cool that you know it's cool that both are having representation amongst the the university Oh yeah, um, they're not SEC. Conf- they're not in yeah, the SEC the, though, right? So yeah, the men's oh, okay. team is not in the SEC. Okay, so, okay. So that is important. There's so not, not an SEC. It's not an SEC in... sport. So yeah. they're in Conference USA. So that is a little weird. Um, uh, I think that's one thing that kind of sets men's soccer back probably a little bit is because there's not that like familiarity of the competition like as you have with other schools. But so um, so yeah, uh, I think that's a good little good little tidbit. Uh, I know. Shout uh, out. Honorable mention, most underrated, South Carolina club ultimate frisbee. I know, yeah, I had to throw and, it in there, and then we just lost all of our, oh, yeah, <laughs> all seven. <laughs> what's your, what was your team again? The the like the what was the Gamecock name ultimate? It's just Gamecock ultimate. Yeah. Okay. Matthew and I both played for the club ultimate frisbee team, so yeah. Hashtag Our legitimacy. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, we're here means, to prove to the world that ultimate frisbee is a real sport. Yeah, none of us did anything. So, so compared to us, y'all are y'all did some interesting stuff. Y'all are closest to athletics. D1 athletes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, and then I guess our last one. I don't know how in depth we want to go into this, but uh, this comes from a good friend, Kyler Churn. Uh, so he. Uh, he asked about, is it time for Ray Tanner to be ousted? 
Uh, this is one that we could send. I, we've been, I think it's kind of come up before. We can probably spend. I'm just going to say quick and easy. No, I think that'd be a horrible decision to take him out. I think he, I think people, he does so much more for this school than wins and losses. I'll say that. And, uh, and I think that it will be very hard to replace if you try to replace him. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, uh, yes, that he should, because yeah. I, I'm just, all of the, the coaches he've hired, he's hired, They've had like moderate amounts of success, but eh, not really. I mean, yeah, like we, if we if we look at all the sports program like as a whole, it's like improved, I guess. But like the big three that we care the most about have definitely not. Yeah, they've I, had I, their shining I moments. Think but it's for like part, the athletic department is definitely healthy, um, but I what I really worry about is. Assuming that football doesn't turn it around, I mean, it's very possible between football, basketball, and baseball that any of any of the three or all three, I mean, I hope that all three coaches do really well and we've had a very successful 2020, but it's possible that any of the three coaches, specifically in football that we're looking at, could be um, in we might be in the market for a new guy and we have seen kind of pretty much every coach that Tanner's had come in be unsuccessful. I think if you can continue to see that decline and like coaching turnover, I, I don't think it's time now, but it's, there's certainly a lot left to prove for him. And I just kind of want to see where these programs go because if they don't start turning around, I don't know if anyone would, say that they feel strongly in Ray Tanner's ability to hire a coach right now. So, there hasn't been much turnaround either. I mean, he's had what? Muschamp, Martin, uh, Kingston. He hasn't really had much. Holbrook, had a too. Oh, yeah, Holbrook. Yeah. I did forget about Holbrook. That's my bad. But I, I, I'm kind of with Matt. Let's just put it that way. Um, so yeah. I will say, kind uh, of go back to underrated sports. He did – Terminate and hire a new volleyball coach. And I know it's volleyball, but I will say it was kind of surprising when it happened. And volleyball actually this past year made the NCAA tournament for like the first time in forever. So um, I will say to Tanner's credit, there's that. I also want to point out that before Tanner came in, um, we did not have the indoor facility. We did not have the long operations facility for football. Uh, baseball has had uh, facilities upgrades. Basketball, the uh, the old team has been renovated into both the practice facility and an ops building. Um, there's been upgrades to pretty much every facility. Like I said before already on the podcast, the track has begin, been replaced. There's been an indoor facility done. Um, there's talks of building a, uh, a indoor tennis facility. And there are, uh, um, I, and I don't know if, the beach volleyball that was mentioned earlier started before or after Tanner took over. But when you're bringing a new sport, that's big as well. But I understand. like for all of that, like with the budget that we have, what athletic trade or what athletic, uh, uh, like who, who's going to not do a bunch of stuff also like that. Exactly. I'm like exactly. what, like what, right. what makes Ray Tanner stand out other than like any other, uh, Anybody else right. that we could have right. there? Because we're not just doing these things like half-ass. Like every single one of those operate uh, of those improvements have been like world class. 
look at uh, look at colonial life. That's one of the biggest ones too. The second, the very second that we have the ability to say, "Hey, we can do big things in colonial life," uh, and we that, that you know there is the political implications that happen. Flag, so that came down. The door opened up for NCAA, uh, and and boom, we put in a new video board and a new ribbon. Board. And if anyone has been to Colonial Life before or after that, you will see a massive change in uh, in game day experience at Colonial so, Life. So this is the way I kind of look at it when it comes to uh, the athletic department in terms of the the head of that too. It's like it's almost like it's a glorified GM in terms of like let's say like football or something where it's like you you know a lot of what you're doing is evaluating talent, hiring coaches and getting people into, to kind of run, run these departments, these athletic programs, the way you need it to be. But there's also a side of it, like, like Tyler's bringing in where it's like the logistics of, you know, getting people into stadiums, in, improving things, renovating old systems, you know, practice facilities, all of that. And I think when it comes to it, you can find, you can find probably 10, 20 guys that, Although Ray Tanner does really, really care about South Carolina and he really wants us to succeed, you can find plenty of guys that can do that. And if not, they can learn how to how to manage that time, manage the kind of the business side of sports really well. But when it comes to evaluating talent and kind of seeing that, I'm not sure if he's the best guy or we or or that we we could find someone better than that. I, I just I think his evaluating and talent and kind of bringing people in, it's it's. I mean, again, like like Matt was saying, we'll see in terms of football how that all pans out. But another thing is too, it's like, do do we want to fire Ray Tanner when things all go go down the drain and all the coaches' decision? You know, football's terrible. Bass or baseball doesn't end up being what we thought it was going to be. We end up firing Frank Martin. I mean, this is just the worst case scenario because if we fire Ray Tanner at that point, when we're at our lowest, is it going to be worse off or is it better to fire him sooner? when we still have very good departments, very good programs, get a guy in. Because then, if we're really bad and we fire Ray Tanner, who's going to want to come here at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, so basically, the there's no short answer to that question, Kyler, but uh, a great question that we could definitely go on about uh, potentially in future podcasts, depending on where the athletic department goes. But uh, the short and easy answer is we don't really know yet. Uh we're not in charge of it. So well, we have differing opinions. Obviously, Tyler's been, I guess, a little bit more on the inside for some of those things you don't see all the time. So a different perspective is certainly helpful there. Um, and then our last question we received was from at SC shit down, uh, <laughs> which basically <laughs> went along the lines of why. Here's a question. Why do you guys suck so much? Um, Hashtag yeah. irrelevant. It right. was, could and you be a shittier podcast or something like that? I believe it was. Yes, we can. I assure you. <laughs> well, we're not yeah. as bad now with hello, Austin's hello, hello, Now that Austin Austin's has mic? an actual mic, uh, I think our quality yeah, maybe, has gone Maybe up. that's it. Maybe what now they're going to change their mind. Yeah, maybe, Welcome. Maybe like I solved the problem. Now. I solved the problem. That's it. Uh, something tells me they probably won't change their mind because uh, it, it, it was me. It, I did it. You guys got <laughs> trolled. It was you oh. the whole time? Yeah, it was me. I called it was an inside job. I, did, I, didn't I agreed know. with you. I did agree with you. I didn't even know about this tweet until just now. So I guess That's I guess you have an answer. It smelled hoagie. Yeah. Matt, what what brought you to do that? 
Uh, well, we didn't have any questions, so I was like, well, let's give him a He's good He's creating drama. Uh, we need a little okay, bit more. Okay, okay. Okay, so but then why did you delete it five minutes after I called you out? <laughs> like, uh, no, I reactivated it. Uh, I sent a tweet like 10 minutes ago, if anyone noticed. <laughs> no, uh, really. I didn't. Oh, no shoot. free cloud here. No wow. free cloud here. Get out. Sorry, some of us were too busy talking on a podcast to be tweeting. So. Yeah, I kind of phased out in NASCAR. I'm not going to lie. I don't really know much about that. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We got trolled that by was, our own podcast. Little, fun little joke, Matt. Uh, so since it is a troll account, we uh, are still the undisputed best sports podcast in the state of South Carolina. Uh, so Matt, you can't bring us down. I guess I have to go and apologize to to Devin now. I said some mean things. Did you think it was <laughs> him? Uh, I hundred percent thought it was him. Oh my god! No, I'm not even going to apologize. You <laughs> shouldn't apologize. Who else wishes they bets they wish they had delete? Greg Robinson. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought we were gonna go talking to. Yeah, yeah so the Greg so Robinson thing. He allegedly, I'll take this one, guys. He allegedly was busted with wait for so it. Who's Greg Robinson? Roll, please. He is sorry. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Greg Robinson is an offensive tackle for yours truly, the Cleveland Browns. What could well, go wrong in Cleveland? Cut. He was cut. So. Yeah, sorry, former, former offensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns. And what could possibly go wrong? I'll tell you what could go wrong. He was caught with allegedly 157 pounds, not ounces, pounds of marijuana at the Sierra Blanca border uh, near the U.S. Mexico near the U.S. Mexico border. Like, what are you doing? No, he could be facing up to 20 years in prison. What he was doing. <laughs> you know what? The sad thing is, that's probably better than playing for the Browns. Well, he got cut you know from the yeah. Browns. He was bad enough that he wasn't even playing. For oh, them. he's cut. I didn't even yeah. realize that. Oy. Yeah, pretty. Uh, facing up to twenty dumb. years in prison. Oh God. I spent What'd too much say? time with Josh Gordon. Yeah, uh, facing up to twenty years yeah. in prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a plug for that Josh. That will be that will be a fun one to watch pan out for sure. Somehow, I don't think it's going to work out well for him. I don't think it will, but I, I'm pretty <laughs> certain it won't. But it will still be fun to just more information to be collected off of that and, and see uh i'm sure there's more information that's going to come out and there'll probably be yeah. some type of like drug ring that's about to be busted and, and that's just be fun to watch <laughs> he may be on the <laughs> he may be on the all prison team with uh it's all all prison team. <laughs> he'll be in there with uh with adam sandler Nelly, Nelly. Uh, who was it? Yeah, Nelly. Michael, Nelly. Michael Irvin. Oh, now we're Too just getting Bert, into the movie. Too bad Burt Reynolds died. Right, uh... Burt Reynolds died? <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, like we're not ready ago. to wrap it up. Oh, yeah. God. You can't just wrap it up with that. Yes we, no. yes, we can. Marino's oh, devastated. Oh, God. Poor yeah, guy. Uh, so Marino's going to go back and rewatch. It's a sad uh, podcast again, again man. So yeah, Maria's gonna go back in and cry through smoking the bandit and uh, and Dukes of Hazard and <laughs> get back with us uh, and maybe maybe watch Deliverance one more time. So oh hell no. <laughs> so uh, um, so yeah, that is gonna wrap up episode seven. Uh, we are gonna hopefully watch the end uh, of Carolina coming back on Mississippi State uh, down by five while we're wrapping this up. So uh, keep them on the bubble, hopefully, and uh, and and have a good week the rest of the week. So. And we will see y'all next week or, well, we will talk to y'all next week and y'all have a good one.